I can't keep you long, but I can push you away. Where you look so smooth, I just can't say no and tell the world goodbye. Cold beer, hello. Well, I can't wait to. Hey there, folks. How you doing? Welcome to another pandemic edition of the R&D Project slash Near Fall Radio. I'll explain that in a moment. I, of course, am the R and the R&D Project. Will Rab joined, as always, uh, by the D, the Dawes, Landon Doan. How you doing, man? Uh, not too bad, all things considered. And even though we've uh, done a handful of episodes of the R&D Project, it never, without fail, I always giggle on the inside whenever you say I am the D of the R&D. But yes, yes, uh, good to be joining you, good brother Rab. How are things going in your neck of the woods? I'm doing good, all things uh, considered. I think like we talked about last week on Near Fall Radio for uh, us two dudes, uh, in a lot of ways, we still have a semblance of our normal routine. You're still reporting to produce the Phil show. I'm still going to be a a, a, a director of uh, sports uh, over at WCDT uh, in Winchester, Tennessee, and coordinating uh, all the stuff in in the sports department, which basically means reply to emails from Westwood One and and sign up for uh, old old ball game broadcast at this point, <laughs> and then scramble and say, "Oh crap, what am I going to talk about for an hour?" Uh on off the bench, no, I kid. Uh, we have some good guests uh, recently, and the good thing is everybody has time to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's going well. Uh, I, I like my house. I like being at my house, and uh, it's been it's been sunny. So we've been firing up the grill. Nice. I've been doing a little bit of uh, yard work, which is something I actually in enjoy. Which I know yeah. it's not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, I enjoy that, and uh, you know, j- just getting by and trying to socially distance so life can get back to whatever normal's going to be uh, sometime soon, and and maybe we won't have to keep uh, postponing trips and 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 canceling plans and 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 whatnot. But I'm just kind of hanging in there and uh, in- in- enjoying the the Netflix stream. Yeah, it really does seem like everybody has really uh, discovered or rediscovered their favorites on all of their streaming platforms. Uh, I have redist well, I I I was watching Parks and Rec before all this started on like a biweekly basis. So I'm I'm knee deep in Parks and Rec again. I'm uh, rediscovering Community, which recently returned to Netflix. I've been watching it on Hulu, but you know I don't have the Hulu where it skips the ads, so it makes kind of binging. Not as enjoyable as, say, a Netflix or a Disney Plus platform, but uh, yeah, everybody is really enjoying their streams these days. Yeah, I ha- we, we have the Hulu, and we don't have the Hulu without the ads, but it, I've honestly gotten to the point where like it doesn't uh, bother me, because a lot of times if you're binging something anyway, there's either no ads or it's like two of them, and I can watch like 60 seconds of ads, or, you know, it, it allows me to take a pee break too without having to hit pause so 
Well, I'm clearly not as patient as you, Rab. Two commercials, way too many, especially if I'm already paying for the service. Hey, what the the funny, the funny thing is, sometimes it'll get a glitch, glitch when I'm wa- rewatching Dynamite, and it has the little, you know, Hulu has a little deal in the corner where it tells you how long the ads are, mm-hmm. and so it'll come back and it'll think it'll think the last segment of uh, uh, Dynamite is an ad. So, like the other night, it was counting down how long the the main event match between Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes was. <laughs> so it was kind of easy to figure out when they were fixing to go home. Yeah, yeah, I, that that probably would make it a little bit easier. <laughs> uh, but no, they're doing good. Um, so ha- have you rediscovered anything uh, s- since you've been forced to kind of socially distance? Because I... Two of the things I've gotten back into, one's probably actually productive, is I've been trying to read a book or two a week, Okay. Uh, which I should do anyway instead of scrolling Twitter, but especially now because there's no sports Twitter to enjoy. Like Twitter's just not fun anymore. Well, to be fair, Twitter wasn't that fun when we had sports. It was just, I guess, more tolerable on that platform of hate. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather argue with you about how stupid the the Knicks are than the coronavirus. Ugh, man, I long for those days. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I fully got, sports is going to come back, and I'm going to fully like embrace. Like I will just argue with you about anything. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that sports will be back because that kind of goes into what Ivory discovered. Um, Rab, like you and probably a lot of people across this nation and world, I am missing sports something fierce. And I, for whatever reason, like uh, you and I, we were talking, I guess uh, it was uh, on my last appearance on Off the Bench uh, on uh, WCDT Radio. You asked like what sports I'm paying attention to or what I'm throwing myself at. And I told you the NFL draft and all the moves around free agency and stuff like that. So to scratch that itch, I signed up on my Xbox Live uh, for the service from EA. It's EA Access. And for $5.95 a month, I have access to all of Electronic Arts games, including Madden 20. So I have uh, downloaded and thrown myself into a franchise mode uh, as the Tennessee Titans. So that is what I've been doing with my free time. <laughs> that sounds fun. I guess if you did it in the right way, it might sort of be... I could probably turn that into some... Show prep. I'm not even embarrassed (laughs) to admit this. One of the things I did when I realized, hey, if I don't find something else to do with like idle time, uh, and that's when I started uh, reading books again, is I'm just going to kill myself scrolling Twitter. (laughs) Uh, I I doubt when I was a kid, this is back when like the dial up internet days and maybe even like pre internet. Like I used to love playing cards on the computer. And so I probably during this quarantine played way too much solitaire <laughs> on my phone. But again, it's better than just staring into the Twitter abyss. At least I'm kind of, I guess, making my brain think. I don't know. I'm not even embarrassed to admit that. Nor should you. And especially right now playing games. I think it's funny. Uh, there, there are all these memes out there. It's like before the pandemic, uh, WHO says sitting at home and playing video games all day is detrimental to your health. After the pandemic, WHO is saying uh, stay at home, sit on the couch, play video games to help everybody out. I, and and like especially now games and escapism, the escapism that we still have. I don't think anybody should be, you know, 
looking down their nose, so to speak. And heck, even in the sports world, they're fully embracing video games as content as well. We see ESPN airing NBA 2K uh, player versus player matchups of NBA stars. Uh, we have uh, NASCAR doing the iRace stuff, which I think is fun. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. And oh, NHL, they've also done some of that. I've seen uh, the Nashville Predators put out on their social media that uh, Roman Yossi uh rocking the Xbox stick, so to speak, and played some uh, NHL 20. So, I mean, like, the sports world is definitely embracing video games, which, as as a lifelong gamer and somebody who's always been told to go outside, you stupid nerd, stop playing video games, little funny to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I do want to loop back to that with with the sports embracing video games because some have done it uh, better than others. Uh, A quick recommendation if you're looking for something and you're like, hey, Maybe I should pick up a book or I should, I should do this and that. Uh, it's not a new book, but I, I just finished it. And it's a, light, it's a light-ish read. But we, Dodge, you're familiar with, with Trevor Noah, who took over for Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. I don't know if you've read his book. Mm-mm, no, never read his book. I'm only familiar with a handful of his stand-up and, of course, his time on The Daily Show. Good book. Uh the book's better than probably what the Daily Show is right now. I don't know about you. I've I've tried a couple times. I've watched a couple of Daily Shows, or uh, we watched an episode of of the Sam B Show the other night, or I tried to flip it on Colbert. Those folks should just go to the house because, like <laughs> you telling you telling jokes to your Zoom meeting is freaking awkward. But I highly recommend Born a Crime. Like again, I say semi light. Because obviously he grew up uh, during apartheid, and so there's some stuff in there he's going to talk about. And you're like, man, that's just not great. (laughs) But then he tells you a funny story about, you know, pooping on the floor as a kid. (laughs) And so it, it evens out. And those stories are always funny. Well, heck, if we're throwing out book recommendations, this is going to shock you. I actually have a couple. I want to uh, give a shout out to Mark Nagy's uh, Decade of Dysfunction, if you're Mm -hmm. a fan of Mm -hmm. uh, the Tennessee Volunteers and all of the... Well, the the literal decade of dysfunction that has gone on on Rocky Top, Mark did a great job of writing that book. And also, if, uh, if you're a fan of comedy, this one's a little bit heavier. It's the Chris Farley story. It's the it's the oh, autobiography. Well, I, I call it an autobiography of Chris Farley, but unfortunately, Farley's passed. This is an oral history of mm. you know his brother, uh, his remaining family members, his SNL cast members, his best friends, telling stories about who Chris Farley was growing up in college. Uh, when he discovered, you know, comedy and stuff like that, all the way to the tragic end. It is like, I am a massive Chris Farley fan. As a fat, funny guy, I obviously have a tie to him. But uh-huh. uh, that, that is that is a great, great read. Hey, and I got one more tip for you. So you're saying, Will, go read this book. Go read that book. Okay. Um, well, I can't buy books or I could get it on Amazon. That's going to add up. No, here's what you do. So... Go go into your app store. It doesn't matter what if you have an iPhone or God forbid you have one of them stupid droid things. <laughs> um, download the Libby app. Just type in Libby. Uh, L-I-B-B-Y. It's a kid reading a book is what the icon looks like. And if you have a library card, you put in your library card number. If you don't, you can put in your phone number. And it'll find a library close to you. And it's like this online Tennessee like book database. Wow. 
And so that's how I'm re- that's how I'm reading these books. And you just check the book out like you're going to the library and you have it for two weeks. And when you're done, you return it. That's really cool. And I think you can check out like 15 books. And I mean, um, at, at least as of recording, the library is still free. Now, if you don't have a library card, I don't know if you can go get one right well, now. Well, I didn't have one. I didn't, I didn't have one. And I had known about this app for a while. Shana had it and I'd been wanting to do it. And so I went on there and through Tennessee Reads, I put in my I put in my phone number. And so that with the area code tells you like where you're at. And it happened it could link me up and basically make an uh, an electronic uh, library card uh, through your local library. So certainly if that works in Winchester, it'll it'll work in Knoxville and, and you can read books for free. I love it. And especially at that price point. Yeah, so uh, we've been talking about, hey, what we're doing, how we're doing, and the good news is I think we're both doing all right. Uh, we, we don't have the Rona, and we haven't gone stir-crazy yet. I went, I, I, I got borderline stir-crazy last Sunday, and then we just went and go over to my parents' house who are not at an age where, fortunately, they're not high-risk. And they have a lot of space so we could socially distance and you just got to go get out of the house sometimes and, mm-hmm. and, and punch the darkness in the face like it's the brawl for all <laughs> and your bark gun. Ooh, just laying people out. Just laying people out. but uh, Until you run it, into Butterbean. Absolutely. But, I mean, who amongst us could slay Butterbean? Uh, very few. In, anyway, uh, I, this has gone... Uh, Eventually, this is things are going to even out. We'll flatten the curve, or we'll sit in isolation for eighteen months, and life is going to get real interesting. Oh, um, but then they're going to have technology will eventually come. We'll either just be able to manage this through we just flatten it out and it dies out, or technology. This this is not going to be forever. But I do think it's interesting. Uh, does to uh, at least broach the subject of what normal is going to look like. And I don't even know if it's going to be forever, but I, I do know that this is what normal is right now. We're all in our house burning up Netflix and then there will, you know, we'll be able to get out of the house eventually and, and restaurants and bars will, open back up in, in some capacity and we'll start having life again. But even then it's going to be different. But also just kind of wonder, because I have to ask myself this question all the time because the day job we talk sports and you're trying to figure out logistics or this or, or, or this uh, league announced they're going to have this plan or, or, or that plan. What, what's, what's, gonna, what's normal going to look like here in the near future, you think? I mean, that's the $64,000 question. Um, I don't think we're going to see society like, you know, black is now white and up is now down. But I do think there is going to be a new normal once all of this is settled down, so to speak. Uh, In the entertainment world, I think there's a real possibility that we're going to start seeing movie theaters just, I'm not going to say phased out completely, but kind of become a secondary option because we've already seen how Hollywood is handling this. We, We have movie studios releasing their brand new movies directly to the consumer. They're cutting out the middleman of the theaters. Now, uh, the price point is still a little high, but at the same time, 
You could drop 1995 and download the new Trolls movie uh, for you, uh, your wife, and two kids. Or if you were still going to the theater, you're drop you're paying for two adults, two children. Uh, then you're getting uh, drinks and popcorn for everybody involved. So. Then maybe paying nineteen ninety nine uh, to stay at home and stream it isn't that bad of an option. I do think we're going to be seeing more of that. I think uh, you mentioned bars and restaurants. They are going to open and return to their business, but I do think their new business model is going to continue to have an emphasis on either takeout or delivery because I do think a lot of people... Whether they want to admit it or not, kind of like the ability to get to get like some restaurant quality food delivered directly to your house to where you can eat in the comfort of your own home. Now, you're not getting it as fresh as you would if you're down at the restaurant and you're not you don't have that atmosphere. But at the same time, sometimes the atmosphere takes away from your experience. I also think that in the business sense or in the business side of, of this equation, I think a lot of people that were that have disabilities and were told, no, you can't work from home just because we don't have the infrastructure. I think that argument's going to be thrown out the window because, I mean, look, we're all having to work from home and work remotely. So I think that I think in that instance, it could be a good aspect of the new norm. But what we're going to look like as a whole, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. I just think it's going to be very fascinating oh, to see is. how we ease our toe back into the water and quite frankly that's what kind of concern i was talking with uh the wife about this this morning that's what concerns me is i think people like you or or, or me are gonna like ease back into things i'm worried about the dude who's like jumping off the high dive doing the 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 cannonball uh, as soon as they open the pool up so to speak yeah the guy who's already chomping at the bits right now and as soon as they even start to say okay we think it's good to go he'll be the first one out the door after they say okay we think yeah and and, and it's like me, for example, it's like I had a Disney trip canceled because of this and I still have an active annual pass to Walt Disney World Guess where I'm not going as soon as the all clear is given. Like, I so much want to go back to the Magic Kingdom. Heck, I want to go uh, watch the Tennessee football team play this season in Neyland Stadium. But man, I, it's, it's, ooh, there's, there's going to be some wanes of the pros and cons before I head back into something as vast as Neyland Stadium or Walt Disney World or heck, even on a smaller scale, a movie theater or a restaurant even. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the wife will have the conversation. Hey, what's the first thing we're going to do uh, when we can go back out? And there's a restaurant, uh, the the town over, and I'll, I'll give them a plug. I don't care. It's, it's a good <laughs> restaurant. You should go check it out. This place called 122 West. And uh, we like it's it's a it's a it's a weird kind of dynamic because it's like upscale and like casual at the same time like you can get really nice uh fancy food really good craft beer and mixed drinks and everything and then they also have a bunch of bar food and you can be guaranteed on a saturday that the tennessee game is going to be on so i don't even know how to describe it it's a place we like to frequent because you know, it. it's, if we're, it's it's your watering hole yeah uh because if we're in the mood you know if, if we're in the mood, if we go out on a, a date night on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, I can get uh, prime rib or I can get a 
a really nice scratch made pizza. Like I, I don't know how to describe like the hybrid between, Hey, this is really nice food. And it's also like casual and chill. And the beer's really good. Did I mention the beer's really good? <laughs> and I said, Hey, I want to, I, I want to go there. Uh, and there's this pizza we love. It's called a Debbie and they call it the Debbie cause it's named for this chick from Jersey and it's onions and shaved steak on a pizza. Hmm. And I know you're not a veg guy, but like, I could see that being good. Yeah. Yes. And and you know sometimes we'll put some peppers or some mushrooms or on it, and basically it's a Philly cheese steak on a pizza. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> and it is so good. And this is also the same restaurant where you can get a really nice like fillet steak. So like that again, that explains the dynamic of this place and craft cocktails and craft beer and all this stuff. I could be honest with you, man. I'm kind of like you. I don't know if that's if I'm that's the first thing I want to do because I'm already telling you I'm not leaving my house and going to do anything till May. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like if you were like I was trying to rack my brain if you were gonna ask me what's the first thing I would do, and it's like I think I would still stay home. Now, granted, yes, I was a homebody before all of this started, but especially now, it's like I. Mm, it's it's gonna be a while before I 100% feel totally confident going out into a crowded group. Yeah, I think like I'm gonna want to get out of the house and I'm gonna want to support business, but that still probably means going to order some takeout or we actually have a drive-in movie theater mm. uh, in the area. Okay, and they you know pretty much until the governor said hey non-essential businesses need to close. They had modified their business plan and, you know, you can do takeout and they had people come into your car to to they'll go get your order and bring it a la like a Sonic so that, you know, there's less people in line and they were doing the food outside instead of the indoor concession stand. But I mean, you can sit in your car and, and watch a movie and, and be spaced out. We've seen church. I don't know if people have done that in Knoxville, but they've been doing drive in church. We've been ridding out FM transmitters hmm. <laughs> to people wow. uh, to be able to do drive in church. I think that might be the first outing, okay. honestly. And because uh, again, I, I, I can that. still I can get out of my house, but I can sit in my car and and not have Cletus over here breathing on me. <laughs> like at. I, I'm almost afraid to say this out loud. Like for me, I feel like there's there's like a five percent chance that I'm just going to become a complete recluse and and just completely shut myself off from the outside world if I don't have to go to work. Like like I I hesitate to say that out loud, but I'm being I'm being honest. <laughs> well, no, again, like uh, if you're paying attention to the news, they they think in like basically sometime in the next week nationally this is going to peak and mm-hmm. Tennessee's like two weeks, 10 days behind that. The, the, the peak day keeps moving, but yeah, somewhere in that window, <laughs> we're, we're behind the curve. I don't know that that's because it got here later or we didn't have a good response to it. Probably a combination of both. <laughs> the, that's not what we're doing on this episode. We had our vent and bitch about <laughs> Corona virus episode no to be fair there's so much that's happened since we recorded i feel like we could almost do a bi-daily yeah, but I get version you, of that you just want to yeah no yeah i'm right there with you i am not spirits. signing up for that podcast again nope 
<laughs> we'll record that second episode of that and then never post it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, again, like, if it's me, number one, them kids don't need to go back to school. What are they going to do in the month of May anyway? All they do is hang out because mm-hmm. they give them the test at the end of the year and then the teachers are burnt out and they hate the little demons. <laughs> yes, yeah, so as um, somebody who dated a teacher for five years, that's exactly the thought process by the time they get to the end of the mother, school year. <laughs> or Mother is a teacher. Ah, so you know, yeah. Uh-huh. I knew. <laughs> So, uh, that that's pointless. Also, just go ahead and look. You need to just make the announcement. Uh, we ain't playing no high school spring sports. It ain't happening. Mm-mm. It's not worth it. Like, trust me, I would jump at the opportunity. I don't care if it took eight hours. Let's go play a doubleheader like right now. I'm ready to call some baseball. But but like it ain't happening. But I do, I, I do think by like early May, if if we peak here in the next couple of weeks, I would be comfortable getting out a little bit, if I can still be spaced out a little bit in a couple of weeks, or in the middle of May. Yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I would be okay with it. But again, like even if I'm okay with it, there's still gonna be a part of me that's like, oh god. Now I, I do, I, yeah, I, I do think. With that said, that's why I bring up. Hey, it's a new normal. I also think we have to realize life isn't going to be able to restart if we wait for everything to be perfect. Yeah, that is that is a hundred percent true. Uh, no, I don't think we need to. I'm not in. The, I'm not in the crowd that's like rushing to like reopen everything. But we're going to have to understand things are not going to be perfect. And I think the reason I keep bringing this up is you see this too because we're we're both uh, sports-centric. And you keep seeing it. And it's the, a football coach or a athletic director, and especially like in college sports, they're just like so panicky about this. And I, I appreciate their caution. But like, Brian Kelly saying like, hey, we're going to have to delay the season if these guys can't report at the beginning of July. No, Brian Kelly, you're not getting a full offseason. No, sorry. That's just that's just not an option right now. I even like all the other sports. I'm just like hard and firm. Like, dude, you can be ready to play baseball in four weeks. You can be ready to play basketball and hockey in, in four weeks. Football, like realistically, you need six weeks. But you're not getting a full off season, so like it's like life is not going to be perfect, and I don't want to pick on your colleagues. <laughs> and I because I understand why they put this question here because it's a good question, and like a would you rather segment that they do on the EA show. Would you rather college football start with no fans, or would you rather the season be delayed? And it's like y'all, I ran through, I did. 25 I did 25 minutes on this on off the bench like why are you even asking that question seriously hey, why are you asking this question <laughs> it's like I understand you need a, like like you got to have something to talk about but really that is that is a powerfully really stupid, stupid question. question god sports is gonna start without fans uh-huh at the 11th hour ESPN felt slimy about broadcasting the UFC so they postponed UFC 249 but in July, if baseball's plan works and they start the season or play the whole season in Arizona, 
Which, man, Florida, don't you feel stupid for not, like, taking this more seriously? Because they could be playing some baseball games in Florida. But if, like, that plan takes off, nobody's going to care if there's not any fans there. ESPN's going to broadcast. It's going to be like the March Madness of baseball where they're showing games in every window possible. Oh, that sounds On multiple networks. Like, every game's going to be nationally televised if that's the only sport going because people are going to want to watch sports. Certainly in September, there's the possibility you could have fans. But do you really want to put 100,000 people in Neyland Stadium when we know the virus is going to come around the second time? There's a big difference. I, I did the math. Well, there's about 100 to 120, 25 kids on a college football roster. And there's probably 75, 80 people in support staff. Yes, believe it or not, by time you count all the coaches and strength people and trainers and all the 75 people who like are on the staff of a college football team, which is just insane to me. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not arguing with those numbers when I read a really good article from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated about all this. So let's just say, hey, there's 200, there are 200 essential people in a college football program. The big difference between it's safe for them to gather and they've been screened and we made them show up in the middle of June and we quarantined them in the dorms and we've been monitoring them for three weeks and letting 100,000 idiots in an Elon Stadium because you deal with them every day. Most of the people out there are stupid. <laughs> I love them, but they're stupid. I really wish I could remember who said this because I think it is... It, it, is rings very true right now an individual by themselves not stupid an individual in a crowd of people very stupid because being in a crowd makes you do stupid things like we're just gonna have to live with this nothing's gonna be perfect sports are gonna come back without a crowd and Dawes and I can tell you from watching wrestling the last month it's weird as shit mm-hmm very weird and and this is even in this landscape where we're starved for any form of sport mm -hmm. or in this instant sports entertainment we're still like okay this is good but this is weird this is weird sports is gonna sports is gonna come back without crowds mm -hmm. every team on the planet in whatever league you're in except the xfl which died today oh it's brutal that's, that's too bad that is too bad I, although i have an antidote on that an antic dope, not antidote, antic dope on that animal. Yeah, the antidote for the XFL closing is money and interest. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, we got half of that. I'll explain in a moment. Um, they're going to be ill-prepared. Like, the NFL's not going to have their off-season program. So, pump the brakes on all the rookies being awesome for a minute. Like, it's not going to be perfect. Life isn't going to be perfect. You're going to go back to your restaurant, and they're going to tell all the restaurants, hey, if you have 100 chairs, you can seat 30 people. Mm -hmm. They're going to go to the movie theater and say, you can seat a person every other seat or every, you know, it's like stuff's not going to be weird, perfect. But we're going to get life rolling again. Hey, so by the way, we mentioned the XFL. I, I, I was talking with my boss about this today. So, everybody does this. If you're a major sports league or entertainment property, they have event insurance, and it's basically Murphy's Law slash oh shit insurance. 
some unforeseen thing makes you not be able to have your event, and that's how come they're able to give you a refund and not go bankrupt. So Vince McMahon bought event insurance on the XFL. Hmm. For about five grand. And I don't know the exact number, but uh, it is a windfall on the payout for that because the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm willing to bet he got a little bit of return on his investment on that $5,000. And I mean, there was speculation that's what took the WWE so long to make the announcement of moving WrestleMania 36 from Raymond James Stadium to behind closed doors at the Performance Center. There was speculation that WWE and Vince McMahon wanted to force the hand of the city of Tampa, or rather they wanted the city of Tampa to be the one that forced their hand to be like, look, this can't happen. So then insurance wise, boom, they can get a payday. Now, again, that's speculation. But if I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all, because Vince McMahon is a carny. So there you go. (laughs) Well, but I mean, in this instance, I mean, you're right. But at the same time, he got some money back out of it. So I don't know. Like millions. He spent he spent five thousand dollars and made millions. The the analogy I got at work today was imagine if you bet five thousand dollars on uh roulette and it landed on a green number. There's two green numbers on the wheel, zero and double zero. <laughs> imagine if you hit one of those, you'd get a lot of money. Mm. That's fun so, to think about, having money. Uh, it's fun to think about. <laughs> it also makes me think of uh, Peyton Manning telling Pat McAfee what number to bet on when they went to the when they went play golf and Pat was at the casino in West Virginia. So uh, before we hit a break here, because we're going to go ahead and break early, because I know in segment two when we get to the Near Fall Radio segment, we're going to have a lot to uh, uh, say. Uh, looping back, we were talking about sports embracing video games, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just be honest, the NBA would have been better off just like putting up the NBA logo and playing elevator music than doing that NBA 2K tournament. That that stuff sucks. I I disagree. It's like I is it is it must see television? No, I don't think so. But I do think the trash talk between some Has players the trash is entertaining. Talk gotten better. I think so. And plus, it's like in the second round, I, I want to pull this up because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, somebody who was playing, hold on one second. Hachimura uh, just about rage quit before remembering he was on national TV and not just playing <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> See, that right there, that is hilarious. Speaking of, you to, so, so rage quit, right? So uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> you met, uh, have you seen what happened in NASCAR? No, no, I didn't. Okay, so... Someone rage quit and it cost him real money. No. Really? So, do you know who Bubba Wallace is? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because he's a Tennessee fan and, and he drives the Richard Petty car. And he's from North Carolina, but he's a big Tennessee fan because, you know, college football teams in North Carolina suck. <laughs> um, they have what college up, football in North Carolina? Barely. Okay, all right, neat. Barely. Uh, so he was racing at Bristol, and they've been doing the eye racing thing. And I, okay, so maybe the trash talking's got better in the NBA 2K tournament. Eye racing is the best like virtual sport because you're still driving the car. You're not just pushing buttons on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's very and it's very realistic. Like very if you would realistic. see like the laser measurements and like the whole system they have to recreate these tracks, 
like it would even it, it'd even make the folks at EA at Madden stop for a second going damn <laughs> so Bubba Wallace is doing this virtual NASCAR race and one of the things they do is they have before they have the main event you have a qualifying race and it's a shorter distance and where you that where you finish in that is how you line up for the main event so he's doing his race and he gets wrecked and one of the other drivers starts uh, trash talking him and so he rage quits the game because there are no cautions in the qualifying race. Even if you wreck, like the video game just keeps going. It doesn't, you don't like get like a reset. It just keeps going like Mario Kart. You're screwed. So he rage quits. He happens to be sponsored by Blue Emu. Okay. For this, which is like fancy Bengay, basically. Sure. Okay. Doesn't doesn't smell like Ben Gay. Apparently, I don't know. I, I heard the ad at work at work one day. So he 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 rage quits because he's mad. So he just leaves the race. And Blue Emu, the the guy, the CEO of Blue Emu, is watching this on national television, oh, no. and then like goes like eviscerates him on Twitter for rage quitting a video game. And I think it cost them an actual sponsorship because they actually sponsor the car. Oh, my. In real life. Wow. I wish I could say I've never rage quitted a video game, but I totally have rage quit a video game. Just never on national television and never when there were sponsored dollars on the. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Ooh, rough day at the office. Which transitions us into the last thing I want to talk about, which is don't be a whiny bitch. <laughs> um, speaking of this NASCAR thing, I just got to get this off my chest. Like, I don't understand. Like, I get that, like, in general, Twitter is a cesspool and social media is a cesspool and people just complain. Mm-hmm. And they complain about things that they wouldn't complain about to your face. And if you don't believe me, even though we don't like him, just ask Clay Travis. People would send him horrible, awful things and emails. And then they go do a remote when he was working at 104.5 The Zone. And the same person would come up to him and be like, hey, man, can I get a picture? So uh, people get Twitter muscles. We mentioned the NASCAR iRacing thing. I felt so bad for this one NASCAR reporter who works for Fox. And it's just like it's in his personality. Like if you ask him a question... He will respond to it on Twitter, even if he gets the same question 800 times. He just, that's it. That's what he wants people to know what's going on. And they would not stop replying to him, complaining about who was and wasn't in the virtual NASCAR race, which reminds you, pays no money, pays no points. It is for fun and just so happens to be on TV because there's literally nothing else. And so what they did was, just like I would probably do, like if the WWE put together like a WWE video game tournament, they would probably invite back like a bunch of like their like guys who are on the Hall of Fame contracts, the Legends contracts. Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. We would we would be seeing tons of that's legends. what you would want to see. Like, no offense to, like, the people, the the young guns trying to make a name for themselves, but people would much rather see Stone Cold Steve Austin play the WWE video game versus John Cena than two new guys, right? Though it's funny, I think the new guys would would know how to actually play the game better than Stone Cold or Cena. (laughs) But Stone Cold would rage quit, and he would would do a stunner to the TV, and it would be awesome. (laughs) And he sends the crowd home happy. 
So the NASCAR is putting this together and talking with the TV people and say, hey, let's invite Dale Earnhardt Jr. Because Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a name brand and he's well known that he likes to play these video games going back to like the dial-up days. Just go listen to him tell stories about Dale Earnhardt Sr. threatening to murder him because of what the phone bill was. Because oh, they were playing video games on the dial-up internet. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> or Bobby Labonte or these other, you know, former NASCAR drivers. The amount of rage of people, because as I put it to you, and I'm not trying to disrespect these people because I know who they are and I know they're very talented, but they don't have any name value. So they're basically jobbers. Because they're the dudes who are in like the last place car, just like hanging on by a thread, hoping that maybe they'll have like one good race and get noticed. And like I feel for that guy, but I also understand why Fox really doesn't give a damn and would rather have Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the invitational for fun only NASCAR race. So please stop complaining about stupid crap like that and just watch the virtual fake NASCAR race. <laughs> and enjoy it and I, i'm going on and on about a virtual fake nascar race but apply that to the rest of your life mm -hmm. stop and ask yourself for a moment yo self am i losing sight of what this is supposed to be that's really good advice really good advice and i think a, a great way to, to close segment number one of today's podcast so we are going to hit a pause and uh, come back and when we do Daz, it's a special bonus mini episode of Near Fall Radio. I love it because it feels like we have the granddaddy of them all performed behind closed studio doors to talk about, so keep it locked because it's a podcast. That's what you do anyway. We'll see you on the other side of the break. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail. And Samantha Monorail. Every Monday morning, along with our kids. Not always. But sometimes. We take you back to the happiest place on earth with news. Upcoming events. Sometimes rumors. And tasty treats. <laughs> of course, tasty treats. We even occasionally help you plan your next trip to the Walt Disney World Resort. Every episode, now including a Disney deep dive with the Dawes with Landon, the Dawes Dome. So listen and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And enjoy the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Nearfall Radio right here on the Butt Munch Chips Radio Network. Butt Munch Chips, sit on your butt and munch. I am still Landon Doan and he is still my tag team partner, my best friend, my co-host, if you will, Will Rab. Uh, Rab, hell of a break if I do say so myself. Oh, dude, such a good break. <laughs> you remember when I played that one song and then it faded into that element? Man. Oh, dude, it was the best. Ah, oh, we were there, it man. Was, it was a that was, that was a six star break. 
Wow, thank you very much. Uh, a six star, I would have been a seven star if it was produced uh, in, in Tokyo. But regardless, I will take my six star ranking. Uh, yes, we are From here. Observer. Ah, yes, yes, of course. We are here to break down what took place this past weekend at WWE's WrestleMania 36, the granddaddy of them all. Uh, a very unique WrestleMania for several reasons. We're not going to go down match by match, match by match, because we would be here until WrestleMania 37 starts. But uh, I have to say as a whole, for the first WrestleMania taking place over two nights, for the first WrestleMania taking place in front of no fans, I thought the WWE really, really delivered a solid show top to bottom. Absolutely. I... A thousand percent agree. Um, I did not watch the whole thing. Um, Maybe one day I will. There will be something that draws me back to the WWE product. But for right now, I'm able to scratch my wrestling itch with AEW, and it's compact. It's one show a week. If I'm interested in dark, if I want to kill some time, I can watch dark. But it's not vital, and and BTE is easy. So like in two two and a half hours, I can be caught up on the world of AEW and and that does it for me that said I want the WWE to be strong I want WrestleMania to be good so I've seen bits and pieces uh, you know heard a lot of good stuff about the the Firefly Funhouse match (laughs) great things about the the Boneyard match and so uh, I've gone back and and watched those but it seems like with a couple of exceptions that we'll touch on uh, the WWE des- delivered a very solid card in very trying circumstances. Yeah, I, I really feel like all of WWE's, I guess, marquee matches going into Mania Weekend, I felt like they delivered for the most part, but I think there were some surprises on this card, particularly on night one, what turned out to be a triple threat ladder match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team titles between John Morrison one of the Usos, I'm sorry, and Kofi Kingston. Like, that was a fantastic match. Uh, and then the match immediately following it, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, that was a matchup that I, if I'm being honest, wasn't really looking forward to that much because it's a feud that I felt had gone a little bit long. But man, what a blow-off to that feud. Kevin Owens had a moment that will live on forever in WrestleMania history where he jumped off of a WrestleMania sign through the announce table onto Seth Rollins waiting below. That was fantastic. Um, You already mentioned the Firefly Funhouse really delivered. And I mean, Boneyard match. That's all I got to say. That is the highlight of WrestleMania 36. And I really think might change the way WWE looks at what they can do going forward. Because it's like, I think if the Boneyard match didn't happen... We got one, maybe two more Undertaker matches left. With the Boneyard match, knowing they can do these type of almost cinematic match presentations, I could see Taker go for a couple more years. And I can't believe I'm saying this. The possibility of Undertaker versus Sting, I feel, is now back on the table. Because Sting's health was worse than Undertaker's. Because you might remember a couple of years ago, Seth Rollins delivered a buckle bomb and like knocked Sting uh, pretty much out on his feet. And then they went and looked at him and found an underlying health issue. And Sting's like, look, yeah, sorry. I, don't, I, I can't do this in the ring. And it left us, the wrestling fans, kind of 
what if when it came to Sting and Taker, particularly at Mania, because that was always that matchup that the fans really clamored for, really the last WCW versus WWE story we wanted to see told. But now that we know this is a possibility, seeing what Undertaker, seeing what AJ Styles did doing this Boneyard match, I think everything's on the table when it comes to The Undertaker. And that's exciting. Like, this is the most excited I've been about The Undertaker in years. I mean, like, maybe since Brock broke the streak at Mania. I'm just glad the Boneyard match wasn't something stupid. Yes. I'm glad it was not the the Punjabi prison with bones. Oh, my God. For a ring. Uh, Yeah, that was was the rumor we threw out. And it's like, even when we said it as a rumor, it's like, I don't know how how realistic that is. But just the thought of a Punjabi prison made out of what would have been plastic skeleton bones, that is some wrestle crap stuff right there. But thankfully, like, that is not at all what we got. We, I mean, like, like, I... I don't want to be accused of being a prisoner of the moment or, you know, the new hotness is the greatest hotness, but it's like that Boneyard match, that was some of the most fun I've had watching WWE in what feels like ages. Like, I I cannot recommend the Boneyard match enough. If you're a lapsed fan, check it out. Highly recommend. Absolutely. To finally see. I guess the only thing that's frustrating for me as a fan of not just the product that's presented to us, but I also like the, I make fun of them, but I kind of like being a smart a little bit. Like I, I, I like understanding how the business works as much as just enjoying the product. And I try to not let the two mm-hmm. um, sour one another. I get what like, you're saying. Yeah. I think it's cool that I can be taken behind the scenes and I don't look at it any different than getting a behind the scenes look of how they make the Avengers or a Marvel movie and I separate the two. Um, I'm glad like Vince was able to be convinced to do some of this stuff and I'm honestly not sure if the coronavirus hadn't happened if he would have. I am curious to see if the coronavirus didn't happen and we're all dealing in this pandemic, which if, if, if given the option, I would totally sign up for just FYI. But I am curious to see what both the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match would have looked like if it, WWE had that live audience like they were expecting. And speaking on the Firefly Funhouse match, uh, reports have come out that apparently John Cena went to bat for a lot of Bray Wyatt's ideas in the Firefly Funhouse match. And I think that shows with what we got uh, this past Sunday at WrestleMania where they really just told this story of John Cena throughout all of the years and they broke down the John Cena character and they took what he said on SmackDown a few uh, Weeks before WrestleMania, talking about at WrestleMania, he was going to take care of the most overhyped, overblown, um, overappreciated superstar in all of WWE history, taking care of Bray Wyatt. But when we get the Firefly Funhouse match, as John Cena is laid out on the mat, mandible claw being applied, they replayed his same words, talking about at WrestleMania, they'll right the wrong, they'll erase this overblown uh irrelevant star and I loved the way they took that and turned it back on John Cena and seeing Cena come up through the years starting with the ruthless aggression Cena to his love of Hogan to him 
uh, not turning heel when he probably should have. Like, it was just such an amazing story that they told. Now, there are those detractors online. Well, you know, it wasn't a wrestling match. I didn't want to see a wrestling match when it came to this. I wanted to see whatever madness The Fiend was going to pull out. And I love what we got. I think some of the the problem we have sometimes is we don't know how to get out of our own way. Like I said earlier, just when life, like nothing's perfect, right? But like some of the, some of the biggest moments in the sport weren't matches. Like if that makes sense. Like let's go back. Like yes, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a great worker. Had really good matches in the ring. Uh. But what the things we remember, you know, tight, tight, Stone Cold and Mike Tyson getting in a schmoz at the at at the end of the the night on Raw. That wasn't a match. That was a a, a dusty brawl, or Stone Cold uh, bringing the beer truck down to the ring. That wasn't a match. Now it it built to something, but like a lot of iconic moments that happen in wrestling aren't a match. Like Matt Hardy's over. Because he went go make a bunch of deletion videos. Mm-hmm. Now he's had some really good matches in his career, and I I do think on a limited basis he's still capable of having a really good match, and it's still important to be able to ultimately have the match that caps everything off. When you have this build and you build the the good guy up, and then you you put his heel bad guy opponent in his way, and they're on this collision course, and it builds towards something. But you know. I don't I don't need everything to you know we don't all have to be best bout machine Kenny Omega chain wrestle for for 3 days like mm-hmm. if you do it and it's really good and it's unique and you like don't overdo it there's nothing wrong with the fiend manifesting itself into the fire the firefly funhouse match or doing the cinematic you know almost kind of like fight sequence shot from like a western movie boneyard match. Now you can't do it every week. But that's the the beauty of sports entertainment is you can bend the rules and you can have really iconic moments that aren't necessarily a match. And at the same time kind of are a match. Mhm. And 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 like you said you can bend the rules in wrestling and that's the beautiful thing about wrestling rules they only really apply when you need them to and it's like um i don't know if wwe could get away with you know doing the cinematic stuff all the time but lucha underground they told a lot of very cinematic matches which which i thought worked for them and i'm excited to see if wwe will continue doing this in the future because like i said i think they could get a lot more longevity out of some of their stars particularly undertaker and it is funny you mentioned matt hardy because he really kind of reinvented and reinvigorated his career doing matches like this. And now that he's in AEW after a time in WWE where he and Bray Wyatt did a final deletion at the Hardy compound and it kind of worked, but for whatever reason, WWE and their creative just didn't really quote unquote get the woken slash broken stuff. So now it seems like uh, we're going to be getting that as an option for AEW with the elite deletion between uh, Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy. That should be fun. But we talked about the good for Mania. Not every, like, like I don't want to say bad stuff because it was a very special circumstance that this, uh, this program happened on. 
I liked the end of the match and I liked the story they told, but the Edge and Randy Orton match, I don't know if it was the commentary or the fact that it went on about 10 minutes too long. There towards the end before they got to the finish really kind of dragged on me. And the reason I bring this up is now Edge is out there on uh, on the internet complaining about fans, complaining about the length of a wrestling match because there's a pandemic going on. I understand that, yes, this is extenuating circumstances, and yes, we're going to be more forgiving in some stuff, but just because of what's going on, that doesn't absolve people from criticism, myself included, but also, in like, like Edge was just the latest wrestler to put this opinion out there. Oh, well, there's just a group of fans that are complaining about everything, so screw that. It's like, no, I mean, there are some people that will complain about most stuff, but, I mean, the Yes Movement with Daniel Bryan, that was universally loved. Where were those fans that complain about everything then? We just talked about the Boneyard match. That seems to be pretty much universally appreciated. Where are the fans complaining about that? Now, I'm sure if I go looking for that, I can find it. But at the same time, it's like, I think it's a cop-out and I think it's lazy to be like, oh, well, you know, fans are going to boo whatever. So, you know, what's the point in, 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 in trying or complaining about this, particularly with the whole pandemic thing? And Ronda Rousey has come out and said uh, she's going to never go back to being a full-time performer because of, quote, these fucking fans or something complaining about everything. And it's like, that, that that's just such a lazy, lazy cop-out, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, look, we, we both like to razz on the IWC because... We, we like to pick on them for the same reason we like to give Jim Cornette crap, which is they like a very particular thing. Jim Cornette likes clowny, cheesy 1970s uh, territory wrestling. And, you know, the good thing about Corny is he does have a history and a respect for the business, but it gets in his way. The IWC has a very particular thing that they like. We, uh, I'm just going to use Kenny Omega as the example, but that's what they want. They want like a bunch of Kenny Omega matches, you know, mm-hmm. like Kenny Omega peak best bout machine, New Japan chain wrestling, strong style, you know, six strong matches, style yeah. work rate matches. Like that's what gets them off, and that's cool. But anytime you're mainstream, and I think this is actually something that really benefits AEW is there are people in power who really understand this. You got to give people a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I really don't think it's fair as much as, you know, sometimes I got to give fellow wrestling fans crap. It's really not fair for Edge and and, and Ronda to, to paint with such a, a broad brush and kind of just be so petulant. About it. Oh, well, you're just a stupid. You're just a stupid fucking complainer because you just don't like it. You don't get it, man. No, I'm the fan, and like you don't have to give me everything I want, and I don't know every. You know, I don't know everything about everything, but you should be trying to give me. You know, you should be receptive to my feedback. I really don't. I'm looking at it, and I'm looking on on the on the Wikipedia. You had 19 matches at WrestleMania, granted over two nights, but you had 19 matches, including for some reason a damn dark match. <laughs> you know, you got to get that no crowd hot. Okay, that made sense. 
there was a dark match for the WWE Championship. So what? Like, so what was the point of that? Like, where did that air? Uh, it aired the following night on Monday Night Raw. They built it up the entire broadcast that it were going to see Drew McIntyre. And they framed it like they came back out after beating Brock Lesnar. Spoiler, Drew, Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 36. He came out 20 minutes after he beat Brock Lesnar or whatever to give an interview. And then the big show shows up out of nowhere and demands a title match. What? And then it aired the but, next night on Raw. It's like, I've seen some speculation the big show has a new Netflix show and they might have been shooting something for that. But at the same time, it's like, oh, if that, it, I mean, even if that's what they're going for, not exactly something I would sign up for. But again, no, but, this is an extenuating circumstance. Okay, but we had, so we had 19 matches at WrestleMania, which even over two nights is too many. Why? was the longest match of WrestleMania, Edge and Randy Orton. And I get it. It's a last man standing match. Those are going to be longer, grueling matches. Because, like, you what? You got to, the guy's got to get counted out. Yeah, you can't answer a 10 count. Plus, this you is can't a can't answer feud, a 10 so. count. Yeah. Cool. It didn't need to be 36 minutes. It probably didn't need to be the longest one of the night. It could be a solid 20 but, like, that's one of the problems I, I have, again, with the WWE. You look at it. So, Cesaro and, 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 and Gulak, four minutes. Elias and Corbin, nine minutes, which is probably fine because nobody cared about that anyway. That was about nine minutes too much, if we're being completely honest, but please continue. A championship match. Raw Women's Championship, eight and a half minutes. Mm. Intercontinental Championship, nine minutes and 20 seconds. Okay, triple threat ladder match, that makes sense. Almost 20 minutes. Owens and Rollins, 20 minutes. Universal Championship, <laughs> two damn minutes. Yeah. Boneyard match, 19 minutes, that makes sense. The next night, singles match on the pre-show. Six and a half minutes, Morgan, Liv Morgan defeated Natalia. Okay, that makes sense. Pre-show match, go a good six, eight minutes, get everybody hot. Women's championship was 20. Alistair Black went seven minutes with Bobby Lashley, which I don't know. Uh, like you said, probably seven minutes too long. Yeah, like like this this match was made to elevate uh, Alistair Black. So, you know what? Like, like kill Bobby Lashley in three minutes. Make him look really strong. Four minutes too long. Otis... Eight with Dolph Ziggler went eight minutes. <laughs> you know what? I like like that was that might have been my highlight of night too. Just seeing Otis, that big fat lovable doofus that he is, just just making out with Mandy Rose on the ramp. Now I don't know how great that is in you know social distancing, but at the same time, or if you're Mandy Rose, <laughs> I don't know that you necessarily wanted to make out with Otis, but whatever. But maybe me being a big fat giant lovable doofus, I loved seeing that. Uh, that was eight minutes. The Street Profits, again, a tag team championship match was six minutes at WrestleMania. And it's a match they ran back the next night on Raw. And it's, and I mean, even as it was, it was a match that they kind of hod had to hodgepodge together with Austin Theory replacing uh, Andrade, who, who had to be pulled out due to injury. So, I mean, I don't know. The Fatal Five-Way went 20 minutes. Okay, yeah, look, I get it. I, I, you, should get, you should give the women's division. 
each night you should give them 20 minutes. And especially in a fatal five-way elimination match, that's going to take a minute for it to be believable. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse match was about 13 minutes. Okay, that's reasonable there, I guess. You know, I your main event of the night, Brock Lesnar could only manage four and a half minutes. Well, that was by design because reports... I know that was by... I, I get that was by design, but like my point is... And look, I even get it because like AEW does the thing and I even know better. Like, you know, all their championship matches and all the matches in AEW have a time limit. And the championship matches are an hour. And you know when you get to the end of the show if there's a main event on Dynamite that if there's 30 minutes left in the show, it's it's going to finish in 30 minutes, probably. At some point to pump up their YouTube, they'll have a match that runs over and finishes on YouTube because that's smart booking. But they also don't go to the other extreme. Okay, well, everybody kind of wink, wink knows this isn't going to go 60 minutes. But they also don't go out there and do a five-minute match with, with Brock Lesnar or a two-minute and ten-second match with with go, Goldberg and, and Strowman. If you didn't have 19 matches on the card, like everybody could have 10, 15 minutes. Because they're giving them a 10, 15 minute segment, but, you know, including your WrestleMania intro, that's, you know, WrestleMania intros are going to take 10 minutes. Yeah, because it's a WrestleMania intro. And then they give you six minutes to work your match because they gave you a 20 minute segment. Like, instead of giving me 20 matches, give me six or seven really good ones. And let everybody really have their wrestling. Like, some of these guys got out there and worked these matches, and they work longer when they're the opening match in the first segment of Raw because creative couldn't come up with anything, and they have a tag team match and stretch it out through two commercial breaks to fill three hours. And again, like, not every one of these matches was something we were really excited to see, but if you're not really excited to see it, that should tell everybody that it shouldn't be on the card at WrestleMania. And I understand that, but at the same time, WWE and management wants to get that quote-unquote mania payday for as many people as they can because they, I mean, they do make more money appearing on WrestleMania, but it's just like... Well, you just pay them anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. They should just pay them anyway. And also, and also they should be giving them health insurance, especially right now, but that's a whole different podcast. But it's like... I can't believe I'm like I'm going to say this. I kind of want to come to the defense of Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. Like you mentioned, a two and four minute match respectively. It's like for better or for worse, this is all that those two participants want to participate in. Those are the type of matches that they want to or only can in Goldberg's uh, case perform. They want to do these really quick, just spam all your finishers, blow uh, blow everything, and just head head to the house. And particularly, like, like, then retire. I, like, no offense. Dude, as somebody who has been tired of this damn Brock Lesnar ride forever, I would love nothing more. Uh, I think we're going to see him back at some point because Vince loves him some Brock Lesnar. Goldberg, on the other hand, I don't know if we're going to see him back in WWE, which we'll get into at a different time, but I think I'd be okay I, I, with it. I'm not against, I'm not against a squash match. Like, I just watched two of them in the last two weeks, and it like has its place. Like you can tell mm-hmm. when you hear those famous words, "and already in the ring from." <laughs> oh, you know somebody's catching an ass beating. Oh, Lance Archer's fixing to beat you up, son. Uh huh. God, that guy's a monster. Bro- Brody Lee's fixing to eat you up. Cool. 
or like they did on BTE, and Justin Roberts said it. Already in the ring, these two jobbers. <laughs> that was great. Like, I understood uh-huh. that. They leaned in on the joke. But we're talking about, number one, the WWE has too many belts. And I get they're trying to make these separate brands, but they want you to watch everything, and then it intermingles and all this stuff. And it's just, like, repetitive. How am I supposed to have... Like, I get you're in a situation like Goldberg can't do much more. Brock doesn't want to, which is pathetic. Like, go to the house, man. How am I supposed to have any respect for the, how am I supposed to have any respect for the WWE Heavyweight Championship, whether it's the WWE Heavyweight Championship or the Universal Heavyweight Championship, if all you can get, you can't, if you basically the best you can give me is five minutes. Like, you need to find some new dudes, period. Yeah, and reports have come out that the reason uh, they finally put the title on Braun Strowman, finally, thank you, Jesus, uh, is because Bill Goldberg just flat out said no, he wasn't interested in adding any more dates because his his original deal was up at Mania, and and he's just said no, he doesn't want to play ball anymore, and he's heading to the house. I don't know if we see any more Bill Goldberg. Brock Lesnar, like... In all honesty, it's come out since Mania. He was not happy he had to come down and perform in that match. And quite honestly, with his history with diverticulitis, I don't know if his immune system is as solid as it needs to be. So I understand him being a little hesitant to have him go do this. And when Brock wants to, he can still go in the ring. The issue is... He don't want to. Exactly. He knows he can make all this money by just showing up, spam 19 suplexes, hit an F5, let Paul Heyman get on TV for six weeks and say something stupid and make pay. And 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 with 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 WWE's reliance on Brock Lesnar, particularly, I think that's hampered the star making of some of the current crop, like your Seth Rollins, your Finn Balors, heck, even your Roman Reigns. I mean, those are big names, but it's like Maybe with the exception of Roman at this point, I don't think either anybody on this roster can stand up to the, you know, name cachet of the legends of the past, like your Stone Colds, your Shawn Michaels, your Hulk Hogan's, your Ric Flair's, just because WWE won't let this crop run by themselves because they want to put the strap on, you know, part-timers like Bill Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. Yeah, look, look, I'm not saying you got to be, I'm not saying it's got to be like the old cow, the, the old territory days where you know Ric Flair's the NWA champion he's making his pass through Mid-South and so uh, he and and Cowboy Bill Watts uh, do a 60 minute Broadway uh, in the main event yeah those days are done those days are done like guys can't okay so there's a couple guys in the business like I could probably think of a couple that could go 60 minutes but like people don't want to see a 60 minute DQ match that's what a Broadway is by the way um you know, give them the show. Um, but there's a big difference between that. And again, I, I'm not saying like AEW is perfect. Uh, there's a lot of filler this week on Dynamite. Yep. But I understand. And, and that's not their normal thing. And they're doing the best they can. But still. Uh, they go out and they would rather give you a couple of really good matches than a bunch of crap just to say we got everybody on the card. 
Yeah, and if I'm being honest, I would prefer uh, the first option to the second, but at the same time, I'm not one of those performers, and if that means me not getting a paycheck or me getting a paycheck, guess which option I'm signing up for? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, to- I, to- I, I totally understand. It, 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 I, I, it's, the WWE has been quantity, not quality, for a long time, and I really think sometimes that bites them. In the butt because you don't have stars because what should be happening, although I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a strong intercontinental championship division, but Sami Zayn should be a bigger star. Shinsuke Nakamura should be a good deal. Should should be a bigger deal. Cesaro um, should be it, a big deal. Cesaro, if you hadn't like ruined Elias and Corbin. Um, well, I don't you think know, other if you did, be a big deal. Well, I'm just making exa- younger dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins went too long, and nobody's interested in that anymore, so they can't have a belt on them. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre. Th- those guys should be the stars of the company, and they shouldn't have to each be individually propping up some part-time guy. And again, maybe if you had less championships... Maybe if you didn't have 18 hours of programming, you could do that. That's just my two cents. Although, again, I thought this was a pretty good, from everything I've heard, from what I've seen, some clips of some matches, a couple matches in full going back and watching because I heard really good things about them, bits and pieces. This was a good WrestleMania. but And and you thoroughly enjoyed it, but you wouldn't even argue that at the end of the day it was a little bloated. Oh, it absolutely was a little bloated, but unfortunately that just kind of feels like it comes with the territory for these modern WrestleManias. But it's like, you you made, uh, you dropped Braun Strowman's name. I'm so glad they finally put a title on Braun Strowman because he in particular, I think, has had the most damage done to him and his character propping up these part-timers because when Brock Lesnar's not around, Braun Strowman is booked as this badass monster. I mean, he pulled down the Titantron and tried to murder Roman Reigns with it. That's how badass he is. But as soon as he's inserted into these high-profile matchups against Brock Lesnar, and hell, I think he even fought Goldberg once before and was just jobbed out. Big giant monster, all this work you gave and put in, and you just fed him to Brock Lesnar. But like you did say, I did enjoy WrestleMania 36 this week, and I think, or this past uh, weekend. I think I enjoyed night one over night two, but as a whole, I really, really dug it. And speaking of things that I really, really dug seeing and will dig seeing in the future, uh, top guys out. Big news in the world of professional wrestling today as we're recording this. WWE has given the full release to Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, otherwise known as The Revival. Now, this has been one of the most Worst kept secrets in professional wrestling that the Revival is unhappy in the WWE and they've wanted out of their contracts for a while. Uh, Reports have come out that WWE threw stupid money at them to resign, mostly to just keep them away from the competition because the smart money is now on them showing up at some point in AEW because uh, them and the Young Bucks have quite the history online when it comes to throwing verbal shots at each other. So I'm excited to see if we finally get that payoff. But uh, Rab, I don't know how familiar you are with the Revival, but as somebody who has been paying attention to what they've been doing more so in NXT than what they did on the main roster, because stop me if you've heard this one, uh, NXT superstars handled poorly once they come up to the main roster, but I am excited to see what the Revival can do in a company that's going to give them the freedom to do 
what they want to. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of them because, like you said, they um, our guys came up through the NXT system, and I'm again just kind of getting my feet wet back into wrestling since November when AEW launched. But one thing I, I, I've I've come to learn is that when there's somebody who's released, if the fans are really excited for them to be able to go work in the free flowing environment of AEW, it must mean that they're really good because. If you're not, you're not going to last long in AEW because they're not going to baby you because uh, their whole business model is, hey, cool, you have an idea of what you want to do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. You're at point A. We need you to get to point B. You figure out uh, what route you're going to take and get there. And so you have to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Revival is one of the best tag teams in the entire planet. And the thought of adding them to an already stacked tag roster in AEW, I already mentioned the Young Bucks. Heck, Hangman and Omega, I would love to see them team up and uh, take on the Revival. Uh, I'd love to see them fight the best friends, pr- uh, Proud and Powerful. Um, and Proud and Powerful actually threw out uh, something on their Twitter after news broke of the Revival leaving WWE just Three words, tag team wrestling with a smiley face and then a devil smiley face. So Proud and Powerful is definitely excited at the possibility of the top guys heading to All Elite Wrestling. And I would be very excited to see what they can do in that tag division because, I mean, oh, like you need to go check out if uh, if you're only going to watch one matchup uh, from, I guess, uh Suggestion-wise, coming out of this podcast, go check out what they did versus uh, hashtag DIY in NXT. Those four put on just clinics. And also, the matches they had with uh, American Alpha when Jason Jordan and Chad Gable were still down at NXT. Like, if you are a fan of a tag team wrestling, particularly kind of that old-school tag team wrestling, think, you know, brain busters of old you will love the revival or whatever they're going to be called moving forward. I mean, like I said, I think they're going to end up in AEW. I think smart money is that they end up in AEW, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that they spend some time in Japan with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But of course, uh, the whole getting to Japan might be an issue thing right now for the revival. But Tony Khan has teased in the past and maybe even said that they're working towards a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling because all of the elite guys have a vast history there. So I think that that could possibly be another uh, negotiating tactic that AEW has over possibly an Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor or something like that. You can be on on all of our programming and be very heavily featured, but we're also going to give you the option if you want to go work in New Japan We'll let you work in New Japan because we've already seen John Moxley. We've already seen Chris Jericho do that while being in AEW. So I'm very excited at the possibility, clearly, of the revival heading to AEW. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm excited about this. And you mentioned the great tag team division. I don't understand why Vince McMahon doesn't get tag team wrestling, doesn't like tag team wrestling, wants to bury tag team wrestling. Um, I don't know if it's in his mind, hey, that's just how you get young, young guys started, then you split them off. Like, I'm not saying, you know, some guys don't want to eventually have singles careers, but, you know, I mean, it, it'll, it'll, it'll never happen that you'll believe that the Young Bucks, that you could b- 
blow up the Young Bucks and they could be done and go their separate ways. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I, I don't get why Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling, but I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I love tag team wrestling. I, you don't want any. You don't want any one piece. You don't want the the women's wrestling getting a push to come at the expense of the tag teams. You don't want the uh, uh, singles wrestling to to slide out of the spotlight because your world championship, your top singles guys, are still really important. But you make a lot of money. I mean, when we still talk about wrestling back from the heyday, what everybody wants to bring up. Other uh, Road Warriors, Demolition, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, The Four Horsemen, all of that. Hey, the the Freebirds. We wouldn't have wrestling interest music without the Freebirds. Yeah. Uh, greatest tag teams of all time. So I'm really excited about that to see where Revival fits in. And I'm not saying anytime soon because, look, we still have to figure out how we're going to get through this pandemic time and what that's going to look like. And we have to crown a TNT champ. But with the way that tag division roster is looking, I'm telling you, man, a trios championship is coming to AEW as well. I'd be okay with that. But I just overall, it's just an exciting time again, to reiterate, to be a wrestling fan because it's so easy to access everything and um, there's a plethora of promotions one way or another you're going to find uh, your flavors, so to speak. Was it? Where is it? That has the the thirty six flavors. Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins. Yes. <laughs> We're the Baskin Robbins. It's the Baskin Robbins of wrestling right now. It, mm-hmm. It's just a great a great time. While we're talking about great stuff, although it's really heavy and we don't have a lot of time, just want to do remind folks to go check out Dark Side of the Ring. Yes, uh, uh, and you don't mm-hmm. have to watch it in any particular order. They all kind of stand on their own. So if there's one story that interests you or you're just not emotionally there where you want to, you know, dive into uh, Chris Benoit or, or New Jack needing to be in jail, <laughs> some really good ones. Uh, the brawl for all is re- was re- not I, – like, I understood it was a bad idea. I remember the brawl for all. Mm-hmm. That was uh, still eye-opening to me just how completely stupid it was and how big a piece of crap Vince Russo is. Yeah, that was a very uh, interesting story, and it didn't have the heavy, depressing, soul-crushing feeling that some of the other episodes of Dark Side oh, no, of the it, Ring it, have. <laughs> the even though I knew because I had watched the the world class, uh, basically DVD when all the WWE stuff was up on Netflix, I, I knew about the Von Erichs, but not in that detail. I, what happened with uh, the guy got stabbed in uh, Puerto Rico? Oh, Bruiser Brody. What happened with Bruiser Brody? I'm not even sure I, I could. I'm not even. It's not even the one I'm know. I'm, I know I'm going to watch Benoit at some point. I don't even know if I want to know all the crap that Moolah had to go through. Yeah, that Moolah episode, that definitely raised some eyebrows. Uh, yeah, they do call it the dark side of the ring for a reason. And, and I think, ve- I, I I think all, all of them are very well done, too. It's very well done. I think even if you're not a wrestling fan. Maybe just go watch a couple. Like, go watch... Good entrance points. Like, three that I would say watch if you just want to understand the business without it getting too heavy. Even though there's some darkness. Uh, The Macho Man Liz, I think that's the first one they did. It was, yeah. And that line that blurs. 
and and Brody touches on the Bruiser Brody t- episode touches on this too. But the Macho Man Liz, go watch the Montreal Screw Job because that's a really good inside look at how the business works. No, apparently Bret Hart hated it uh, because uh, the whole Scott Hall thinking it was a work thing. So Bret is now mad at the makers of the or of the documentary series. <laughs> I don't want to say it's likely that it's a work, but I could totally buy. That it's a work. I could too. And the way that Scott Hall is just without a doubt, 100% convinced, and he knows these people, particularly Shawn Michaels, pretty dadgum well. So I, I encourage you to go check that out. Uh, again, uh, excited to see what Revival can do in AEW. I don't know when they're going to make their debut, but I, if now was ever the time that you go find, I don't want to be degrading, but close to you a couple of quote-unquote local jobbers and you wanted to do an enhancement match uh, and throw that up on being the elite or uh, dark or even dynamite because they certainly have time they need to fill. And again, we're giving it like we're grading on a heavy curve these days. If, if, if we need to have a, you know, 10 minutes of filler here and there, like whatever, we got to do what we got to do. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate WWE and uh, AEW uh, continue to try to entertain us, and um, Daz is it, it's, it's, it's been fun uh, to get on the mic with you today and uh, talk about this pandemic crap. And uh, it, the it continues, even though we've had to put some things on hold. It continues to be an exciting time in pro wrestling. Yeah, it is, and uh, like you did say, we are grading on a heavy scale. And even though I said that edge blaming people complaining or they shouldn't complain because the pandemic, I think that's kind of lame. It's like, we are grading on a, on a scale, a very big scale because no wrestling or this, guess what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose this because no wrestling is well, no wrestling. And, uh, Speaking of the whole no wrestling thing, reports have come out. AEW has uh, six weeks of dynamite in the can. Uh, We are recording this on April the 10th. That's a Friday. Reports are that WWE is going to try and do SmackDown live? Question mark? Maybe? I don't know. But past that, we're, uh, we're not sure what WWE is going to do regarding week-to-week television. So, I mean, much like the rest of the world uh, is kind of in the wait-and-see game when it comes to the coronavirus, the world of wrestling, it feels like, is getting ready to enter into the wait-and-see uh, territory when it comes to coronavirus. And there's reports that uh, Money in the Bank is now going to have to find a new home because the original venue for the pay-per-view event has canceled it, saying that it's not going to be reopened in time for the event because of coronavirus. So, um, yeah, big old question mark for the world of wrestling moving forward. Uh, like I said, we will probably be getting a month and a half of dynamite, very similar to the episodes of dynamite we've gotten over the last couple weeks. But I like WWE. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do. We talked when all this started that they could just be like, okay, um, we're just going to show a bunch of old stuff and boom, we'll see you when it gets back to normal, but I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's, we really don't know a lot of answers. Rab, you just want to wrap this thing? <laughs> I, yeah, I just say, I would have thought since, you know, WrestleMania is basically the season finale, like it's the Super Bowl, that would have been the perfect point. Okay, we have all these feuds. Come put some stuff on hold. Maybe you have some guys uh, shoot some promos and, and, and stuff. Uh and then the WWE just goes on hold because they have this great archival li- library. And I'm not saying uh, 
oh, well, just replay WrestleMania 1 and, like, don't, you know, enhance it. Uh, we've been replaying a lot of classic sporting events at the at the radio station because we're affiliated with Westwood One and the Volo Network and the Braves Radio Network and Titans Radio. And a lot of those companies have, especially Westwood One's gone above and beyond to make content available to us. And they would take that game re, that game rebroadcast and, okay, well, here's this interview we did in, in 97. Or here's an interview we actually, hey, we called up Coach K last week to talk about this, that, or the other. And, and, and made it more than just replaying a game. That would maybe be the thing to do with the WWE. AEW will understand they need to keep taping. If I'm the WWE, I don't know that I'm trying to go out of my way to keep it moving forward when we don't know when de- when we don't know how long this is going to be. Since you should have kind of just wrapped everything up at Mania anyway. You're not. You don't usually start a bunch of new feuds at Mania. Yeah, generally that's what the night after Mania is for. But I mean, as we saw with. This year's Night After Mania, it's a completely different world of wrestling we're in currently. And, I mean, if WWE did just want to air old WrestleManias, they were pulling decent numbers for ESPN. I mean, it got 800,000, 700,000 respectively. Now, I know it's not, you know, the numbers that Raw was pulling in, but at the same time, Raw isn't exactly the ratings killer it was back in the day. But uh, it's... Very interesting to see what's going to happen next. Uh, AEW, we already mentioned, has Dynamite in the can for a month and a half, but now uh, Double or Nothing might be up in the air. We still don't know when Blood and Guts is going to happen. Um, So, I mean, lots of questions. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have a lot of answers, but hopefully the next time we join you, the lovely listener, we can answer some of those questions. I doubt we'll be able to answer all of them, but on the way out the door, Rab, give the lovely listeners some plugs and where they can find you. Absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Rab will follow the station at WCDT radio. That's on Facebook and Twitter. I I don't post a lot of like interesting stuff on my own personal Facebook. So (laughs) probably not going to follow you if you ask me to anyway, because I don't know who you are. (laughs) Um, Check out off the bench Monday through Friday, 11 to noon. And we're recording this on uh, April the 10th. So uh, just a plug next Tuesday and Wednesday ahead of the NFL draft. We're going to sit down with the draft network simulator and let that run through for uh, the Titans and the rest of the NFL and like write that down and then break down what that draft looks like. We'll probably devote a day to looking at the Titans, all seven picks that the Titans have and what happens there. And then uh, on that next day, uh, breaking down what the first round mock from the draft network simulator that we run over the weekend looks like. So we'll be doing some draft coverage and talking to some cool people uh, as well uh, on Off the Bench next week. Hey, very cool. I'll definitely check out that draft stuff because even though mock drafts don't really amount to a lot, I still love to go read them. Uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can get the latest from me, 280 characters at a time. I also on our website, buttmunchchips.com, which uh, hilariously enough got some airplay on the Bob Yarborough show this uh, morning, which was fun. Reliving some old uh, college radio memories. Uh, I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That's a family-friendly podcast for the Walt Disney World Resort, talking about all the news and stuff going on down there there is still some news happening uh at the house of the mouse while it's shut down and it is shut down indefinitely for the first time ever 
Um, uh, I'm also on the Phil Show on News Talk 987, uh, 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, locally, WOKI here in Knoxville, streaming worldwide at Newstalk987.com. Uh, available in the iHeartRadio app as well. Just search uh, the Phil Show. And uh, apparently, uh, we are smart device enabled so you can say the name of whichever uh smart device you have in your home and just say i'm not going to say mine otherwise it'll activate itself listen to news talk 98 7 and boom you're ready to rock so uh for the will rab i am a landed doan generally we bump out with tenacious d when we wrap up on near fall but in honor of the top guys going out how about a little bit of the revival You've been great. We've been near fall. We'll see you next time. Say yeah! If you're looking for trouble, our body's worse than a bar Cause we didn't browse on the boards till the day we did We got fists made of fire and a neck all red We keep it dirty, keep it dirty, keep it gritty, keep it gritty Don't need your sick, don't need your city Keep it dirty, keep it dirty, keep it gritty, keep it gritty On my brows so the people let them know that you're with me Go hard, all day, all night On my brows so the people who be ready to fight Say yeah, yeah If I can figure out what I want to say. <laughs> you want me to drop a beat? No. Okay, good, because I'm uh, not going to. That just make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I like all that stuff on Twitter. This is all edited, by the way. <laughs> all right, sorry, man, I made another edit for you. All right, here we go.